Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning. Happy Easter. Again, if we have not yet met, my name is Christian. I am the lead pastor of The Grove, and we are thrilled that you would join us today as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, this is a big day for us. I'm in a tie. You can, you can tell. We're, we're happy and excited to get to celebrate. Um, and today we're wrapping up a series through Mark's gospel called Have Courage. And we're celebrating the events described in the last few chapters of Mark where he details the end of Jesus' life as, as Jesus is uh, betrayed and then uh, tried and abandoned and then eventually convicted falsely and then crucified uh, even after being mocked. And now what I want to do is jump in and, and really begin with a reading of the scriptures in the, the time after Jesus' death. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8 is what we're going to look at today. It says this, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they could go and anoint him. And very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? And looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. And they went out and ran from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Now, I love how this reading ends like a, a cliffhanger, right? adrenaline surging, but with this jolted finish. There's a revelation. Jesus is alive. And yet, so many questions remain. Dots still left to connect. We see it here, gasping for air, lost for words. The three women fled because they were trembling, astonished, and afraid. Now, can you imagine? Right? Your grief is already at its peak, and you arrive to try to bring some kind of loving closure to what you thought was the horrifying end to one you loved and believed could not be stopped by anything. And then you find that he's gone. And there's this mysterious person telling you that he's actually alive. Right? And you can see then, right, the, the fear that grips these women. Have you ever felt scared like that? Like when someone comes up from behind you and, and startles you and electricity fires through your entire body. Uh, this happened to me the other night, taking my kids around in the, the new building and one of my daughters hid in one spot. And I had no idea she was there and all of a sudden she jumped out from uh, behind this corner and it was that, that jolt. Uh, maybe you've experienced like a horrible nightmare where someone is chasing you and you can't scream or run, right? That, that kind of fear, that kind of trembling. 
You see, our world kind of feels like that right now, doesn't it? I mean, it's kind of been like a bad dream this last year in a lot of ways. I mean, you could use the words trembling, astonished, and afraid to describe a lot of what has gone on in the last year. And so I have this question for you. What are you afraid of most right now? What's going on in your life or, or in your head? Where, where are you running worst-case scenarios, running contingency plans, or, or suffering sleepless nights? What, right now, leaves you trembling and astonished and afraid? My own hesitancy in answering those questions, honestly, is that I don't in any way want to be manipulative, but, but really my answer revolves around this church and my own misplaced insecurities. So how do we cope with these fears? How do we deal with them? And the first thing I think is important is to recognize that our fears are not bad. Right? They're very human in a certain sense. They can even be holy. See, God designed us to have and experience fear as a part of our survival instinct and, and human connection. There, there's something that's, that's wired into us or built into us as, as he's made us to, to fear. Now, there's also things that have gone wrong with that, but, but fear is a, a human thing. And the second thing to know about fear is that we all have them, right? We all have fears. Uh, these things are often real and painful and the insufferable part of our human experience. Dave Barry, the old humorist, once said that all of us are born with a set of instinctive fears of falling, of the dark, of lobsters, of falling on lobsters in the dark, of speaking of before a rotary club and of the words, some assembly required. And of course, there are clinical ways to face our fears. That is true. But as a pastor, I want to approach this question theologically and say, how do we not allow our fears to rule our lives? How can we have peace in our lives? And here's the answer. Okay? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a simple statement, and this is a complex thing, but really, as we'll see, it comes down in a certain way to this. Choose a better fear. Okay? That's the answer. Choose a better fear. In other words, tremble at something bigger. Now, hear me on this. I, I don't say this to in any way invalidate our fears or dismiss them. But what I want to do is right-size them. Okay? Hear, hear that again. I want to right-size our fears. Because here's the deal about fear. Proper fear is essential to a good and healthy approach to life. Fear is not the problem. The problem is that we don't fear the right things. And Jesus gets very clear on this point in, in Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 5. And here's Jesus. He says, I say to you, my friends, don't fear those who kill the body and after that can do nothing more. But I will show you the one to fear. Fear him who has authority to throw people into hell after death. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. So there you have it. I mean, Jesus is just shooting us straight. Right? He's not talking puppies, rainbows, and unicorns, is he? No, I mean, he, he's very serious here. And what Jesus is getting at is this. One, he's saying your God is too small. Right? I mean, think about it. Isn't it not true that we've, we, in different ways, at different times, we've made God too small? 
that, that we can reduce him to our preferences. We can hold him captive to our desires. We can project onto him our own sensibilities. Jesus says that the living God is so much bigger than this. And so we should fear him. So he's saying your God is too small, but then he's also saying your fear is too small. Right? What he says is that you must have a bigger fear. He's saying fear the most, the, the most powerful thing in your life and in the cosmos, namely God. Because, well, God can do far more damage than Satan or COVID or rodents, right? If you were following along a few weeks ago when I described my own fear. In short, the problem is we don't fear the living God. And when we lose our fear in God, what happens is we'll fear everything else. And that can take us down this vicious and repeatable cycle. I want you to follow this thought progression with me, okay? Just follow along here. When we fear something, we give that fear power over us, okay? Uh, again, it could be something good that we're supposed to fear, but there's a certain power that, that fear has. But unfortunately, fear is never static. And so left un unattended, it will grow. It will, in the words of the psalmist, multiply within you, or, or you, you'll be filled with fear, right? One, they're kind of like, again, go back to rodents, right? When there's one, there's a lot of them. And so left to and undealt with, one fear usually leads to multiple. And then that power, the power that that fear has, begins to influence us. It begins to shape us uh, around those fears. And then that influence provokes tendencies, that develop into patterns of behavior. We actually begin to live afraid. Right? Instead of just a fear, we, we can become marked by living afraid. And, and then those fears become, ironically, a little God, right? Little G God. That which has the most power in our lives. And when that fear becomes our God, then one of two things happen. Okay, the first one is that the fear actually comes true. Now, heaven forbid, only to find out that we had invested our lives into that fear alone. So, so there was nothing deeper or bigger than that fear to cling to, right? If, if that fear becomes our God, then that's the thing we're putting our hope in. It's what we're, we're holding on to. And, and without it then, there's no hope, there's no rescue, there's no resolve. And that ultimately leads us to a place of despair. Because that, that fear, it, it's come true and it can't do anything for us. The other possibility is that the fear does not materialize, which is often you know, the, more the case. And, and then we find that we were held in complete bondage the whole time. And we look back and realize, man, that was a colossal waste of time because there was nothing to actually be afraid of. But we didn't know that at the time because it was frightening. But either way, when we choose a lesser fear, it, gives, it leaves us either in despair or in bondage, okay? This is this cycle. Again, it, it can re be repeated. And, and there is no loneliness like simply being alone in your fears, right? When, when we're left just with our fears, that, that's a loneliness unlike any other. Now, can you see that progression in you? Maybe not right this moment, or, but, but maybe at some point. Or maybe it is right this moment. Maybe that is the kind of thing that you're living in, this cycle of fear. When your fears are too small and they take hold and they, they begin to multiply within you. Right? Uh, again, I think this is something that 
we've all dealt with at one point or another. And when you think about the possibility of that kind of cycle repeating itself in our lives, we wonder, well, why are we so stressed and, and anxious? Well, I mean, we can see how that's what that would create. But here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus wasn't done talking. Right? We, we just looked at those two verses, but Jesus wasn't done talking. I actually interrupted him mid-thought. I want you to see with me his very next words, Luke chapter 12, verse 6 through 7. He goes on, he says, Aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. Indeed, the hairs of your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So let's get this straight. Immediately, after telling us to fear God, we're then told to not be afraid. That's, that's strange, right? I mean, you, you notice what happened there? And Jesus is saying this. He's saying, when you fear God, who is the most powerful, you can actually relax. Right? Because the one you fear is good. Right? In fact, the one you fear is actually love. He says, look at the birds. Right? Count your hairs. Because God, you're going to find a number God already knows. See, he's not only powerful, but God is intimately involved in your life. Why? Because you matter to him deeply. And rather than sucking your life from you like those other fears, when we rightly fear God, we find life. Life is, is added to us, which would be a nice thing to say. But how do we know? How do we know that it's true? See, my friends, on this Easter Sunday, that's why the empty grave is so important. See, the empty grave confirms that. With God, there is no rival or equal. He is the most powerful. He conquers death. The empty grave reminds us that we stand before the living God, awesome in power and mighty in strength. He has overcome death itself. And not only is his power confirmed, so too is his love. See, because of an empty grave, we can embrace the reality that Jesus' brother John wanted us to understand when he wrote this. 1 John 4.18, he says, There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. You and I, we stand before God, apart from Christ, deserving of punishment. But then here comes Jesus. Perfect love. Laid down, he lays down his life. Go back and read of the, the when he's tried. They, they can't even agree on their story. They're trying to come up with how is it that we're going to convict him of something that anybody is, has any credibility. And it's only when they ask him point blank, essentially, are you God? And then he, of his own admission, says, yeah. That they finally, before all this group who can't agree with each other on anything, they can finally say, oh, hey, we have a reason to accuse him and, and have him tried for blasphemy which would have been a, a fair thing, except that he was God, right? So here's perfect love coming, laying down his life, taking the punishment that you and I deserve, taking it upon himself, and defeating death. See, there is now no reason to fear the, all those other things. And when we see them rightly, right? you see at the empty grave, we find a collision of power and perfect love that leads us 
to a better fear. It's an altogether different kind of fear. It's, it's, I mean, we, we call it the fear of the Lord, but it's, it's so different than the other fear that tends to grip us. Author William D. Eisenhower. Now, this is not Dwight D. Eisenhower. Okay, William D. Eisenhower. I'm sure that was tough for him growing up. Uh, he explains, he's an author, he, he explains the relationship with rightly fearing God this way. Listen to what he says. He says, unfortunately, many of us presume that the world is the ultimate threat and that God's function is to offset it. How different this is from the biblical position that God is far scarier than the world. When we assume that the world is the ultimate threat, we give it unwarranted power. For in truth, the world's threats are temporary. When we expect God to balance the stress of the world, we reduce him to the world's equal. He goes on, he says, As I walk with the Lord, I discover that God poses an ominous threat to my ego, but not to me. He rescues me from my delusion, so he may reveal the truth that sets me free. He casts me down, only to lift me up again. He sits in judgment of my sin, but forgives me nevertheless. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but love from the Lord is is its completion. And he, he's nailed it here. Right? He, he, he will deal with me, with my ego, right? He, he will crush my ego. He's a threat to my ego, but not to me. This is good news. What we find here is that in the midst of our ailment, our suffering, our pain, in the midst of our anxiety, our fears, in the midst of our very real world anguish and pain, we can say, have courage. On your feet, the risen one is calling you. And he is all-powerful, all-good, complete, and perfect love. And that's the difference. The women at the empty grave chose a better fear, the one who is far scarier. They were trembling, astonished, and afraid before an empty grave, but not an empty life. The grave was empty, but their hearts were full. Now, I'm sure the three women at Jesus' gravesite had their own fears, right? I mean, fears for their children, for their husbands, fears about what would sell at market, fears for their parents, a strange cough, fears of Roman guards every time they went out. Like you and me, they were human beings who lived real lives and they too had fears that gripped them. They suffered their own sleepless nights. But when they saw that heavy stone to the side of Jesus' burial cave, when they cautiously ducked into the damp cave and saw that angel, but no Jesus? Well, now, now they had a new fear. That fear that drives out all other fears. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome stood frozen at the entrance of that cave with spices in their hands and saucer eyes. They were trembling, astonished, and afraid because they were encountering the power and presence of the living God. In fact, in the immediate moment, despite being told to go and tell the other disciples, they said nothing in stunned silence. But they trembled at an empty grave, at nothing else and no one else. But eventually, their trembling turned to rejoicing, and they told his disciples, just as they were instructed, their lives were forever changed, and the whole world 
was turned upside down. Is your God too small? Are your fears too small? I encourage you, choose today a bigger fear. We tremble at an empty grave, at nothing else, and no one else in comparison. So let's ask him right now. If you recognize that he's too small in your life and you want to ask him to to grow bigger in a certain sense, if your fears are too small and you want the holy and loving fear of God, then let's have courage and get on our feet because he's calling each one of us today. I want to encourage you, even if you're watching this at home, stand on your feet and pray with me. I'm going to stay seated just so that I can stay in the camera, but join me in prayer. God, Reveal yourself to me. I want to encounter you. Make the empty grave a reality in my life in a way that grips me anew. Father, I ask you that because some of us are doubting right now. Doubting that you emptied the grave. So God, by your Spirit, reveal to us that you are risen, alive, and that today you sit on the throne as Lord. And Father, some of us are jaded. We've heard it all before and we believe it, kind of. But Lord, disrupt us. Shock us awake with a jolt. And Father, some of us are discouraged right now. We just don't see you in our world, in our lives, and we're giving in to lesser fears. Fill us with confident courage. And Lord, some of us are afraid. God, please take every power and influence over us that is not of you and bind it. Risen God, conquer this fear. Or we come before you and we ask you, help us to have courage and honor you as we walk with you, experiencing your love and your power made most clear to us through the empty grave. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day. Thank you.